Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here in person. Glad to have you with us online, whether you're there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Be sure to like, to subscribe, to follow. Click the notification bell on YouTube. That'll just uh, get you that live, uh, that live feed when we go live. Uh, and then also, if you follow on Facebook, that does also there. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. If anybody needs that number, we'll be glad to give you that number. Uh, just a reminder, we don't publish that number in places because we used to before, and we had tons of calls that were coming in that uh, mostly were telemarketer calls and we were having to pay for those minutes <laughs> and so uh, we've kind of restricted it if you need it we'll give it to you uh, but you'll have to call us at the church office or talk to me uh, after the service and I'll be glad to give that to you uh, if you have access to our church website uh, and you're at home there be sure to go to our website under the info tab you can download the worship bulletins if you need one of these in person uh, they're in the windowsills as well as at the doors uh, our children's worship bulletins are over here to my right in the windowsill you can download Download those also under that info tab. You can send the link to anybody you want to. Use it as an outreach uh, to kids in your community or, or your grandkids, your nephews and nieces, uh, however you want to do that. And then also under that info tab, you can download the monthly newsletter. So be sure to uh, do that each month. If you don't get that already in the mail, if you want it in the mail, we can send that to you. Uh, so just call the church office during the week. We'll be glad to send that. And then our prayer list is under that info tab also. And then as we've said for the last couple of weeks, just want to remind you uh, that the uh, housing agreement for our house over here uh, that we're going to be looking at presenting to the church at our next business meeting is online there under that info tab. You can download that, take a look at it. If you want a paper copy, just call the church. We'll be glad to print that for you. If you want it in an email, we'll be glad to send that to you in an email. So just let us know that. And while you're there on the church website, go to that far right-hand side, click the online uh, donation there, uh, give, do your online giving. Uh, a real simple, easy platform there, a secure platform, so I encourage you to do that. If you want to do that in person, there are no offering envelopes in front of you in the pew, so you'll have to let us know if you want an envelope uh, to do that with. There may be some in the windowsills. I think I see some there, so you can pick up one there uh, because we've emptied all of our pews. Tomorrow they'll be uh, picking up our pews, and then uh, by the end of the week uh, we'll be putting in chairs in here for next Sunday, so it will be looking a lot different uh, for us in here for a few weeks, but you bear with us. I believe you're going to be very well pleased when we get our pews back uh, in a few weeks and several weeks. So, uh, Just again, glad to have you with us. Brother Mike, you'll come. Brother Jim, I'm going to have to listen to your sermon again because this morning my right hearing aid died and my left hearing aid, I could only hear you on the left side, so now I'm going to have to let my right side hear you in a rerun. So. Take your hymnals, which you don't have. <laughs> he just said that. Anyway, it's on the screen. Let's sing Sunshine in My Soul. Miss Rima? There's sunshine in my soul today. Oh, there's 
sunshine, blessed sunshine, when the peaceful, happy moments go, when Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul, there is gladness in my soul Also want to welcome tonight uh, Brother Matt and Miss Lana Ledbetter. Uh, he is our director of missions for our association, and they're joining uh, with us tonight. So glad to have you guys uh, with us. Take your Bibles, if you will. As you remember, we uh, began last Sunday night, and here through the month of July, we're going to be looking at the life life in the Psalms. Uh, we're looking at Psalm chapter four uh, tonight. Just picking some random Psalms that I've not preached through yet, and wanted to uh, bring to you. So Psalm chapter four, verse one uh, down through through verse 8, and we're just going to begin with verse 1 and verse 2. So if you would, let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Psalm 4, verse 1, and we're going to start with the, the superscription there that tells us who this is to. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word and for all that it means to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, your word is alive, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's your word, Lord, that brings us to the place of faith, Lord, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would go forth to those who may not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, whether they're here in person or watching online, that they would hear your gospel message. And Father, they would hear that you love them, that you've made a way for them to be made right with you. And Father, I pray that they will respond to your message uh, in their hearts to trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, to repent of their sin and to turn to follow you. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray for those of us who are believers also that this message, Lord, would, would encourage us uh, in, in looking at the path to peace, that when we're faced with all kinds of stressful situations and, and stressful uh, predicaments that we come into, all kinds of troubles and trials as David does in his life, Father, I pray that we would uh, be better equipped to face those things, trusting in you, looking to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. And we pray, God, that you will do a work in our hearts to strengthen us for the trials that we may have ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. When you look at these a couple of psalms here, we looked at Psalm 3 last week, Psalm 4 this week. I was reading through this psalm and, pre and preparing for tonight, uh, and I was, I was thinking of this is almost to me, you know like those westerns you, you watch sometimes, the old westerns, and, and the bad guy comes in, and he, 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 uh, is, he, he's just provoking somebody, and he tells, I want to see you dance. And what's he do? He pulls out that pistol and he starts shooting down at the ground and that guy starts hopping with his feet and moving with his feet. And he says, I want to see you dance more. And he starts firing, firing, and he gets to moving all kind of ways. You know, that's the way I kind of feel tonight when I'm preaching this message, that I'm not just, it's not just stepping on your toes, it's stepping on my toes uh, a lot too. And so I feel like having to step a lot here. Well, it's, 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 it's good that it does that. 
uh, because it's the Lord who's leading us through this uh, and bringing us under conviction for our sins. So when you compare these two Psalms, chapter 3 and chapter 4, you can't help but to draw the conclusion that they probably deal with the same situation in David's life. If you look at verse 1 in both chapters, you'll find the words enemy and distress. In both chapters, in chapter 6 and verse 2, in chapter 4, you see the words many. He has many enemies who are against him. Uh, In verse 2 in chapter 3 and verse 3 in chapter 4, you see the word glory. In in verse 1 in chapter 3 and verse 4, you hear him talking about calling to God and God answering. Uh, You hear in verse 8 of chapter 3 that he talks about lying down. In verse 5 in this chapter, he talks about uh, sleep. Psalm chapter 3 is a morning song. And Psalm chapter 4 is an evening song. You see that in verse 5 in chapter 3 and verse 8 in chapter 4. When we look at the historical setting, we really don't know for sure that this is the case, but it seems that way. Uh, But if it is, uh, the historical setting here, remember the historical setting for Psalm chapter 3. These were dark days in the life uh, of King David. Not only had his son Absalom uh, rebelled against him, But he had taken his kingdom away from him, and now he's pursuing him. He's seeking to kill him, to try to kill his own father. And God is allowing all of this to happen, partly as a punishment for David's sin with Bathsheba. Uh, The walls of David's life just seem to be crumbling all around him. And the nation as a whole has, has been deceived. And they've decided they're going to follow Absalom, and they've turned against David. Now, what that ultimately means is David is the one who's chosen by God to be the king uh, of the nation. And and so David has gone from being a king to basically a criminal on the run. He's even being ridiculed as a coward by people along the way. And one morning, the armies of Absalom, they're closing in on him. And when it appeared that everything was lost, the Lord gives David these two psalms, Psalm 3 as a morning psalm and Psalm 4 as an evening psalm. So what we're going to see in this psalm is that when we find ourselves, like David, trapped in situations of stress that begin to paralyze us, we find that it was deliberately designed and created by the devil himself and that the Lord is using this for David to bring punishment upon him. But he deliberately designed situations because the devil knows if he can get you stuck in stress, then he can prevent you from experiencing the true freedom that you need to be experiencing in Christ Jesus. And the devil knows that if he can make that happen in your life, then you're going to have basically a mediocre relationship with the Lord at best. And your life will never truly be maximized for the kingdom of God because you're going to be focused on all these other things in your life. And so that's the devil's goal for our life today. You know what God wants? God wants to show us how to escape the situations of stress how, uh, that, that hold us back. And then he wants to teach us how to live a life maximized for him. And that begins that our life needs to be focused on him and him alone, not on the circumstances of our life, not on the trials and the tribulations we're facing, not on ourselves, not on anybody else, but on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so this is the first mention when you come to chapter 4 in that little superscription there at the top of verse 1 that mentions the chief musician. Uh, The chief musician is a title that's included in 53 uh, of the Psalms. He was the minister of worship. Uh, and and the custodian of the sacred psalms at the tabernacle and in the temple. The Hebrew word neganoth uh, means accompanied by string instruments. It says in in my version, in the English Standard Version, it uses string instruments. Some versions use that word neganoth, and we don't even know what that means. But that's what it means. It means stringed instruments. It refers to the harps. It refers to the lyres. And you remember that that that's what David played. David played uh, the harp. And so it's a wonderful thing that David could turn this distressing experience in his life with his own son seeking to kill him. He could turn it into a song to the glory of God. And so his example shows us what our response ought to be in times of crisis. And so this psalm is especially relevant uh, to to us today. Psalm 4 here is about finding an inward peace in the midst of outward trials. 
And so we're going to see here that King David, he, he wrote this uh, 3,000 years ago, and it's just as relevant for him in his day and just as relevant for us today. He was in a terrible situation here. And yet in the dark uh, in, in the, and in the dirt out of this dark situation, here comes the flower, uh, uh, the, the light, the hope in this psalm that comes up in the midst of that situation that he's facing. And so he's teaching us here how to find confidence and how to find joy in God in the hardest of times. So Psalm 4 has three main movements that I want you to see from this passage that can help us in our walk with the Lord. And one of those is going to divide out to show us some steps that we need to take to overcome those. So the first one is this. We need to see the trouble that we face. We need to see the trouble that we face. That's what we see here in verse 1 and verse 2. So David begins to cry out to the Lord in prayer. David opens this psalm, crying out in distress. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So he's in some kind of a past distress, and God had gave him relief from that. Now he's in the midst of something else, and, and he, he's reminded of that, and that gives him hope that God is going to hear his prayer in the midst of his current distress. And so David is experiencing uh, this, this deep damaging of his reputation. Look at verse 2 again. He says here in verse 2, old men. So now he's talking about the, the people around him who've, who've turned against him, who decided to turn to follow his son. Old men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek? after lies. And then you have that word selah. And remember we, talk, we talked about that word last week uh, that we don't know the full meaning of that word but we believe that that is a pause there uh, in the text. That we need to pause and think about what we just sang uh, as they would be singing this psalm. Uh, we need to think about what we just read there. And so David had had a number of situations uh, in his life uh, where people dishonored him, where they slandered him. Uh, they didn't honor him as their leader. Uh, they spread false information about him. They caused people to think poorly of him. Uh, now, this is all fairly general. As we said, we don't know the specific circumstance, but it does compare to chapter 3 that that's probably uh, what it is, that same situation there. And so this is written out of David's experience. But he wants us to be able to make this our own prayer as well, and even the nation of Israel to make this their prayer. And so notice how he begins there this psalm in that heading to the choir master with stringed instruments. It's written as a song. It's written as a song to be sung by all of God's people. And so here's the point. It's general. It doesn't mention the specificness of Absalom. But it is general because it's for our use in our lives. David knew that the kind of suffering he experienced was common to other people. And so we can enter into this song today as, as a song of our own. Uh, when we're going through suffering and, and trials. And, and that's why it's here uh, for us. So, some of us may be anxious uh, about what's going to happen with our work. We may be anxious about our health or, or the health of a family member or friends. <clears throat> we may be worried for our parents or for ourselves or for our children uh, or our friends. And it's particularly hard because of how uncertain things can be. Uh, what's going to happen to our economy? How long is it going to last? We, we thought, you know, whatever the situation or the problem is that you're going through. How long is that problem going to last? Uh, you know, we thought back, remember during COVID, uh, we thought back during the height of COVID, when is this ever going to end? And yet it subsided and God saw us through. And, and so the questions we ask are, will we be through with this in a, in a couple of months? Will we be through with whatever trouble I'm facing in a year? Will things get worse before it gets better. And there's all kinds of questions that we begin to face. And so that's the first point that David begins to do is he begins to recognize the trouble, recognize the problem that he's facing. And so there's the trouble we face in verse 1 and verse 2. The second thing we need to see is the guidance that we need. Now this is going to encompass verse 1 and 2 and then on through verse 6. So how do we respond 
to the trouble we face. Well, David doesn't leave us wondering. He lays out some things uh, in, in this psalm as people would sing it. Uh, you know, when you sing things, you remember it. Uh, there's lots of songs we sing, and those songs get stuck in our head, and many times those songs can come back to our heart and to our mind to encourage us. When we're going through a, a difficult time, it reminds us of God's Word and the principles of His Word and the truth of His Word. Well, that's what these songs were for. Uh, the people would sing these songs, and as they sang them, it would remind them of God's faithfulness. And so as they sang it over and over again, they would remember, oh yeah, this is how I'm supposed to respond to the trouble that I'm facing. Well, the second part of this psalm shows us the guidance that we need. Again, verse 1 and verse 2 is his call uh, to prayer here. And, and so in verse 3 to verse 5, he starts giving the guidance there that we'll look at in just a moment. So it's, it's not clear who he's talking to at this point. He could be talking to those who are against him. He could be talking to all of us who are reading this. But either way, what he's doing is giving us the guidance that people need to find true peace and true joy. And so it's a practical guide for us. So David gives the steps here that we can take. You don't have to wait until our, our problems are under control to finally get peace. God can give you peace even in the midst of the storms that you're facing. And so here's the path. The Lord is helping us here. So what do we do? Several steps. First, look to the Lord in verse 1. That's the first thing David does in this psalm. David begins this psalm in prayer. He says, hear me. And when he says, hear me, that is a passionate and concerned call that means, please, I beg you, I plead with you, answer my prayer, O Lord. David had been praying for God's help, and he was desperate to receive an answer. So this is David crying out to God. He's crying out in distress. He's begging God to free him from this pressure that he was feeling. J. Vernon McGee says, distress indicates pressure. And the truth is, is that pressure, the pressure of this life can be great upon people. And you see the effects of pressure that happens on us. I mean, it affects us in, in so many ways. It affects us mentally. It affects us emotionally. It affects us physically as it begins to, to cause issues even in our bodies as we worry and we stress over the pressures of this life. There were great, they, these pressures were great in David's day, and they continue to be great in our day. And so the truth is that we need, to, we need the encouragement of the Lord. Psalm 50 verse 15 says... And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. What an awesome promise that is, that when you're in the midst of trouble, you have somebody you can always call upon. In Psalm 18, verse 6, David gets even more personal in his plea, and he says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And so he reminds us here and those who would sing this song that when we're overwhelmed by the pressures of this life, when we cry out to God, he hears our prayers. He says it again in Psalm 145 and verse 18. And the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Did you hear that? He said, when I cry out to God in distress, when we're overwhelmed by the pressures of this world, when that happens, the Bible says, God presses in to us. The Lord draws near to all who call on him. That's an awesome promise to hear from God's word. That God cares enough about you that he doesn't wait for you to draw near to him. He waits for you to call upon him. And when you call upon him, he draws near to you. David experienced stress just like we do. And stress isn't something new, but it seems like we have more things to cause us stress today than we ever did before. For David, during his younger days of exile, he had a priest who he could consult with the Urim and the Thummim to determine God's will, but not during this time of Absalom's rebellion. And so David was being disciplined, as we remember, because of his disobedience. God had forgiven his sins, but God is the one who had called David to be king. And it was God alone who could vindicate him. 
And so David reminded the Lord that he had often delivered him in times past, so he knows, God, you're able to do it even now. Now, the word distress means pressed into a corner, into a tight place. I've used this illustration before. If you've ever been to Rock City and you go through Rock City there and you go through those little cavern things, there's this one place that you come to. Do you know what it's called? Do you remember what it's called? Fat Man Squeeze. <laughs> it's a tiny place, and for a fat man to go through it, it's pretty tight, and you can barely make it through, turn inside, sucking it in as much as you can. That's kind of what he's giving the impression here. He's, you're pressed in from every side. You ever felt that way in your life? You feel like you're just being pressed in from every direction. Seems like everything, it never stops. It just keeps getting more and more and more. And that's what David is saying. I was in distress. But we find out in other passages that God enlarged him, set him in a broad place because David grew in difficult situations. Psalm 18, verse 19, he says about the Lord. He says, he brought me into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He goes on in verse 36 of that same chapter and says, you gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. What an awesome promise there also. David knew he didn't deserve any help from the Lord. And we don't deserve any help from the Lord. But here was David who prayed on the basis of God's mercy and God's favor. God in his grace gave him what he didn't deserve. And God has given us what we don't deserve. And God in his mercy, he doesn't give us what we do deserve. And so David began this psalm in prayer. And that's the way we need to begin in facing any stress that we face in life is to begin in prayer calling out to the Lord. When you're facing stressful situations, keep looking to the Lord. He is a sovereign God, but he is a personal God who cares for you. Secondly, the second step David gives us is again to acknowledge the problem, to acknowledge the problem. You see this in verse 2. And down through verse 3. So verse 2 again. He says, O men, how long shall my honor be returned, uh, be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So uh, make sure, first of all, when you notice the problem, that the problem is not a cause of your own doing, because of your own sinfulness, that you're reaping what you sow. If it is, then you need to be repenting of that sin in your heart and in your life. That's what David needed to do, and we find out David did do that eventually uh, in that, but he still faced the consequences of his sin. So David wasn't at the scene of the revolt, but he speaks out to those who had turned against him and made Absalom king. Now that phrase, sons of men there, uh, refers to the leading men of rank who had been deceived by Absalom, and with him they were leading the people astray. Now David understood this thinking and how Absalom had deceived them. Uh, the mob was following pride, and, and they're going to pay dearly for their sins, because when you, when you follow vain, prideful things, believing falsehood, you can only go astray. And so notice the people weren't just deposing a king. They were fighting against the Lord because it's the Lord who had established David as the king. So when they're going against David, they're not only going against him, they're also going against God because he's the one who's placed David on the throne. Now, when you read the story and you read more about Absalom, Absalom certainly wasn't a man of God, nor was he God's chosen one to rule over Israel. Uh, they were actually following a false god when they listened to Absalom's flattery and his lying promises. And David didn't even try to compromise with these rebels. He knew what they were, and he rejected them. And so he says, he begins to call them out there, and so acknowledge the problem. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us that we need to confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So in these next verses, we're going to see that David speaks to his own followers, to those who are on his side, some of who were overcome by their emotions, uh, that they were about to get out of hand. And so David gives them several instructions which are useful to us today when we find ourselves uh, facing uh, stress and stress that begins to make us angry. Notice verse 4. In the beginning of verse 4, he says, be angry. Some versions say stand in awe or tremble before the Lord. 
Uh, in fact, that's what he's talking about here. Those who are believers uh, who fear the Lord don't have anything to fear in their lives. Absalom's followers, they didn't tremble before the Lord. They didn't stand before the Lord in awe. They had disregard for the Lord because they had disregard for God's anointed. Before, and they didn't stand before their rightful king. So the first thing, one of the next things we need to do is to fear the Lord, to make sure we are putting God in the rightful place in our lives. That our life is not about us, it's all about Him. And so then he goes on to tell us not to sin. So he says, be angry, be fearing the Lord, trembling before the Lord, but do, and do not sin. So sinful anger leads to sinful words and deeds and even to murder. And so David is telling them, there's a anger that you can have that is a holy, righteous anger, but there's an anger you don't need to have. It's an anger that leads to sin. And so you need to be careful about that, always examining where is this anger coming from? Is it a holy, righteous anger that, that is, is based in God's word and God's truth? Uh, and that's what David is saying. That's a rightful anger. You can be angry, but he says don't sin in this. And so sinful anger leads to sinful words and sinful deeds and even to murder. So Paul quoted this verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. He used the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, which reads, be angry and do not sin. And that reminds us that not all anger is sinful. There is a holy anger against sin that ought to be in the heart of every believer. We ought to be angry over sin and its effects on people's lives. We ought to be angry about what abortion does. We ought to be angry about sex trafficking. We ought to be angry about anything that stands against God's word. That ought to be in the heart of every believer. But we have to be careful not to be guilty of an unholy anger. So David goes on and says, search your hearts. Search your hearts. Look at the next part of verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds. So what's he talking about here? You know, it's easy to get angry at the sins of others and to ignore our own sins. Isn't that what Jesus talked about? He talked about the, the beam and the speck in your eye. And he says, be careful about that because so often we want to point out the sins of others and that's like a beam in our eye instead of really looking at the, 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 the true issue here of sin. So he says, David himself was guilty of doing this. Instead of tossing and turning in bed because of the things others are doing, what we need to do is to first look and see if there aren't any sins in our own heart that need to be confessed. So when you begin to feel uh, any kind of anger welling up within you, make sure it's a holy, righteous anger and not an ungodly anger. And the way you do that is to begin to search your heart, asking God to, to bring the light of the truth of his word into your heart, to shine it brightly that you might see any ungodly thoughts that you might be having. Because that's where it begins. It begins in our thoughts and begins to take root in our hearts. And those sins need to be confessed. So search your hearts. And then he says this, interestingly, in verse 4, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. So think about that. You've searched your heart. You begin to recognize there's some sin in our hearts. And what does our tendency to always do? Try to justify why we're thinking that way or why we're feeling that way. And, and David says... Nip it, zip it, quiet, silent. Don't, don't talk back to the Lord and try to explain why you feel this way. Uh, this person did me wrong, and I, I deserve to feel this way against this person. It's, um, it's a right anger here. He says, silent. Sit in silence. The Amplified Bible states it, be sorry for the things you say in your heart. Another translation says, so say so in your own heart. That is, say to your own heart, sin not. Uh, the word for ponder means to speak, which is an inward speaking and a speaking in your heart. It's an internal thinking, and we do that all the time already. We do that when we're worrying, don't we? I mean, that's what we do when we're worrying. It's interesting that he says uh, to ponder these things when you're where? On your bed. Where do you tend to worry the most? 
when you lay down at night and that stuff gets on your mind and gets in your thoughts. And man, my feet get to moving at this point. There's <laughs> the Lord stepping on my toes right here. You get to laying down at night and those things get on your mind and you just can't get it off your mind. And you're worrying about this and you're worrying about that and how, what this person said and how they're going to respond and how you're going to face this. And you begin to worry about all kinds of things. That's when we often worry the most. We lay down and we can't sleep because our mind's running 100 miles a minute. We're worried about a problem. Or, or we may go to sleep, and then once we, we lightly wake up in the middle of the night, our mind kicks in and our, our anxious actions and starts spinning. And David is calling us to a healthy heart pondering. The psalm often speaks, uh, the psalms often speak about meditating on God and his word, even on our beds in the night. First Peter 5 verse 7 says, casting all our anxieties or all our cares, our worries on him because he cares for you. He already does care for us, even as you're already burdened with those anxious thoughts. So what's he doing? He's inviting us to give all those thoughts, in fact, that's what he tells us, to take all those thoughts captive and to give those to him. He's inviting us to give him those thoughts, to give him our burdens because he's ready to receive them from us. And so David says, be silent. Let me encourage you. That's one of the greatest things that you can do every day is to find a stretch of each day, doesn't matter what time it is, that you get alone with the Lord. You find silence, not to fall asleep, but time to get alone with the Lord. Maybe you have to get up early to do that. Or, or you step away for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. You know, families can even help one another to do that. Get alone with the Lord and meditate on his word and talk to him. Don't tell him anything. Just listen to him through his word. Listen to what he's already speaking to you. All too often, we want to speak to him and tell him, here's how I think you ought to do this, Lord. Here's how you ought to fix this problem in my life. I think you ought to do it this way. You ought to really give that person what they deserve. He says, shh, zip it, throw away the key. Listen to me, what I have to say to you. When you begin to sit in silence, and that's hard to do for a lot of us. We're just such a busy culture in our society here in America. We just have a hard time just being quiet. Don't say anything. We hardly even went 30 seconds, and that made some of us uncomfortable to be silent. That, what's he going to say next? Why didn't he go on with his message? Just listen to the Lord. Give your problems to him. When you search your heart, that ought to lead us to that place of silent confession before him and claiming his gracious forgiveness. That's one of the hardest, but yet one of the most powerful things that you can do, as David did, to overcome the stressful situations that you face in life. Here's another step that he gives us. He says this in verse 5. Offer right sacrifices. Now, they couldn't offer, David couldn't offer sacrifices in the wilderness because that would have given up their location as people would have seen the smoke rising up in the sky. But they could promise the Lord that they would do so when they returned to Jerusalem. And that's what Jonah did. Absalom, uh, Jonah did that in his life, and he promised to do that. And so Absalom, here's Absalom who, who was offering insincere, hypocritical sacrifices to impress the people. But God didn't accept his sacrifices. When you read that and he says, offer right sacrifices, you say, but preacher, we don't offer sacrifices today, do we? Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's that's an even greater sacrifice than the sacrifices that were given in the Old Testament because that's just an animal that you're giving. You're having to give yourself here. And so he tells us here, offer right sacrifices. 
Then in verse 5, he goes on and says, And put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Now, you remember when we read chapter 3, uh, we read in chapter 3 that he is the God who lifts up our face. Because when we're depressed, when we're down, that's where we're looking. Uh, we're just shrugged down. We're just weighed down by the world. And you're, and you're so depressed, you're looking down. And he is the lifter of our face. He says, lift your face. Look up to me. And that's what he's again reminding us here. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Lord, you lift up your face upon us. And so Absalom, when you look at him, he was trusting his leadership. He was trusting his armies. He was trusting his clever strategies. He was trusting his popularity with the people. But he wasn't trusting the Lord. His plans because of that we're destined to fail. Anytime you're not trusting the Lord, it doesn't matter what it is you're doing, even how good it might be of something you might be doing, if the Lord is not in it, it will fail. If you're not trusting in the Lord. And so David, he wasn't only a great king, a military strategist, but he also was a loving shepherd who cared for his people, and he wanted them to walk with the Lord. David knew that the spiritual condition of his people was far more important than any military skill they might have because he knew that it is the Lord who gives the victory to those who trust and obey. And so here, here there's a directional movement. The picture is, is taking our trust and putting it into the Lord. Uh, directing it to him, placing it on him. Sometimes we hear the words trust in the Lord and we think that just means believe that he exists or something like that, some, some idea that's out there. But that's just a fraction of it. The reality is, is that we put our trust in something uh, moment by moment. And the question is, what are we putting our trust in? Every day you're making decisions to put your trust in something. Are you putting your trust in the Lord? This is the saying, don't put your trust in the government leaders. Don't put your trust in your own abilities. Don't put your trust in your own ability to plan and to, and to prepare for crisis. Put, don't put your trust in family. Don't put your trust in this place. Don't put your trust even in the church. Don't put your trust in, in money, which can come and go. There's only one place that's secure enough to put our deepest trust, and that's in the Lord Jesus. And that takes an active effort on our part every day of our lives as believers. We have to take our trust and keep putting it in him and keep putting it in him and keep putting it in him because our trust seems to always keep shifting. Uh, someone gave an illustration about our trust uh, like this and I liked it because it says it's kind of like putting a puppy on a chair. What happens when you put a puppy on a chair? You, you turn your back and he's down. He, he's gone. And you put him back in the chair and he's gone again. And again and again and again. And that's what trust, our trust does. One moment we put it in the Lord and literally three seconds later our mind is back on spinning on that worry again. And, and we're trusting in ourselves or we're trusting in our money or we're trusting in other people. And we just don't seem to be able to just put it there and leave it there and don't pick it up again. Trust God to take care of it in his way, in his will, in his time. See, understand this, our trust is not static. It's, it's a dynamic reality. It's, it, what I mean by that is kind of like uh, when, it, some of those who know about computers, you have IP addresses and IP addresses can be static or dynamic. Static means it stays the same always. It's always the same IP address on your computer. Never changes. Dynamic, which is what most people have with their internet service, ever so often that changes. That's the way our trust is. Our trust is not static. It's always a dynamic reality. And so as we as Christians, as those who trust the Lord, we need to keep actively, day by day, moment by moment, placing our trust in Him. So, so understand there, there's the trouble we face. There's the guidance we need. And then here's the third thing. There's the peace that only God can give. Notice verse 7 and verse 8. 
He says to the Lord in this prayer, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Okay, so what we just saw is the path, the steps that we need to take. Now where does that lead? It leads to the peace that he gives. And so David ends this psalm by making this striking contrast. It's a contrast between two kinds of joy. Because David is praying here, and notice again what he says there. He says, you put more joy in my heart in verse 7 than they have with their grain, when, when their grain and their wine abound. So, so there's a kind of joy, he says, that comes when grain and wine abound. What is that time? That's the harvest time. Uh, that's, that's payday. That's the time when, uh, when the money's coming in. That's when the season of, of economic stability has happened. That's the time where social gatherings resume because it's the harvest time. They're celebrating, and, and that's when the time when, when food isn't scarce. But David didn't say, please bring the joy uh, that I experience when, when we're in that kind of harvest time. I mean, think about it. Some of you have got some gardens. I talked about this morning about growing tomatoes, and some of you grow uh, gardens. Isn't that the best eating that you have all year long? When you're picking it out of your garden and you're eating uh, your fresh vegetables that you cook, that's what he's saying here. It's an awesome experience when, when the harvest comes in. And he, he's, he's not saying here, please bring me that kind of joy. No, he said that God has put a deeper joy in his heart than, than pe people have even when everything is going well. This is a joy that's greater than anything we could ever imagine. It's a joy that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to receive it. It's a joy that we can have now even in the midst of crisis, even in the midst of stressful situations. It's a joy that God alone can give, and it's a joy that goes deep in our hearts. And where does all this joy lead us? Look again at verse 8. He says, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. Wow, it's the kind of joy that can let you get some sleep at night. Isn't that the, the contrast here? You're worrying and you're stressing over things and you're tossing and turning in the middle of the night and you can't get out from under all that stress. is just weighing on your mind and your mind's going 100 miles an hour. And he says, whoa, when you receive this joy, you sleep like a baby. When our hearts rest in God, then our head can rest on our pillows and we can get to sleep. When we give him our problems, he gives us our sleep. And that, that last verse is why Christians throughout the centuries have used this psalm as an evening prayer. And I'd encourage you to do that. Read this psalm as you go to bed. Read this psalm and turn it, uh, turn it into your prayer and give him your worries and give him your heart and receive the heart of care, his heart of care for you. So understand that he's not only God, he's also our helper. God doesn't want us to want to suppress your, he doesn't want you to suppress your stress. He doesn't want you to just bottle it up inside and not deal with it. He wants you to address your stress because if you don't, it will be like a pressure cooker and eventually it'll explode. And it does so often in so many people's lives. God's solution for addressing your stress comes by way of that invitation that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. In other words, you cannot stay where you are under all that stress and, it, and, and never turning it over to the Lord and expect to get some relief in your life. You can't just keep doing what you've always been doing, worrying about it, laying it down with the Lord, picking it up again, laying it down with the Lord, picking it up again, trying to fix things yourself. You know, so often when we try to fix things ourselves, we make it a worse mess than it was to start with. So you can't just keep doing what you're doing and expect a different result. Jesus said that the solution to our stress is going to begin with a step of faith. And he said for us to come to him and to trust in him. 
And what will the result be? He will give you rest. When we think about what it is to be stressed out, we would have to say the opposite of stressed out is rested up. Stressed out people don't rest well. They don't sleep well. When you read the early Psalms of David, you discover really quick that David had all the reason in the world to be stressed out. It's interesting, as we said, that both Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 deal with the subject of a lack of sleep. These Psalms were written when David was exiled because of his own son Absalom there and all that he was doing. And David said in Psalm 3 that, that tens of thousands of men were after him and they were surrounding him with the intent to murder him. But here's the interesting thing. Psalm 3, as we said, was written as a song for the morning and Psalm 4 was written as a psalm for the evening. And David, in the midst of the chaos, just two verses later, found time to take a nap. He said this in Psalm 3, verse 5 and verse 6. He said, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Think about that. What? And you got thousands against you? And how could you be at peace with all that going on? How could you not be afraid? But we see David here in a crazy time with his life in danger, being hunted by an entire army of men. In Psalm 3, he's taking a, a cat nap, if you will. In Psalm 4, he's getting ready to lay down to sleep, to go to bed. For some reason, when we lay down in bed and it gets quiet, the stress just begins to whirl our minds. We're stressed by all kinds of things, and we don't stop thinking about the chaos that we're surrounded by. David made a choice. He, he had a choice to make that night. He could stay up all night. He could worry about all the problems that he had. He could fret about it. He could fear the worst, or he could believe the promises of God. He could choose to be imprisoned by the stress of life, or he could choose God. And he concludes in Psalm 4 with the, that verse in verse 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Why? For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David had discovered God's remedy for stress. You know what God's remedy for stress is? Him. Him. It's not in some self-help book. It's not in some guru. It's not in the preacher, it's in him. That's where God's remedy is. So if you want to escape the stress of life, we have to believe God is capable of being God. If you're stressed out and you continue to let that stress begin to paralyze you and to cripple you because of your circumstance, then what you're saying is, is that you don't believe that God is who he says he is, that God's able to take those things that you're going through and to work it out for your good and for his glory. And yet that's what his word promises. He works all things, even the bad things, for your good and for his glory. If you're losing sleep because life is too hectic, and there are too many questions left unanswered in your world, then understand that your faith is not where it needs to be. It's not in Jesus. It's in yourself. David asked of God, he believed in God, and then he received from God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do tonight. Ask God to relieve you from the stress you're feeling and believe that he is capable of bringing you the rest that he promises in his word. And then trust. Trust that he will deliver you in his perfect timing. Not your timing. You maybe want to be out from under it right this second. It may be a little bit before you have to get, that you get out from under it. He gives you what you need in order to escape the stress of life. So there we have the trouble we face. We have the guidance we need, and we have the peace that only God can give. And you may be saying tonight, I'm just so overwhelmed by the pressures of this world. I feel like I'm trapped in this prison of stress. What am I really supposed to do? You know how David answered that question? He said this in Psalm 55 and verse 16, and I close with this. He said, but I call to God. And when I call to God, the Lord will save me. Do you believe that? Act upon that. You need the Lord to save you. 
You need the Lord to heal you. You need the Lord to rescue you. You need the Lord to release you from this mess of stress. Then call on the name of the Lord and he will give you rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for your truth tonight. Lord, there are so many, so many of us, even myself at times, Lord, who are under stress. Lord, we know that when we're under that stress and we begin to, all of us are going to face it, so that's not the problem. We all are going to face it. The problem is how we handle it. If we try to keep it to ourselves, it's like pushing it down and it's going to burst open at some point in our life and it's going to be messy. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us to deal with it before it's too late. And help us to deal with it, Lord, in that we don't just lay it down and pick it up again, lay it down, pick it up again, lay it down, pick it up again, but that we just lay it down and we give it to you and we trust you, knowing you are the almighty, all-powerful God and that there is nothing that we face in this life, no trial, no tribulation, no stress that you cannot handle. No matter how bad it may be or how bad we may think it is, you can take it and you can mold it and you can shape it and you can get rid of it in our lives. You can bring a peace that passes all understanding into our hearts, even if we still have to go through the problems that we're facing. Lord, what a testimony that is to a lost and dying world that says to them, that person has something different when we trust in the Lord in the midst of trials, in the midst of stress. So, Father, I pray that you would use our lives as a witness to help us to examine our hearts and to see where we are. And, Lord, if we are not where we need to be with you, uh, we're not walking with you daily. We're not spending time in your word, just stopping and listening, not trying to, to justify anything, not trying to tell you how to handle things in our life, but just coming to you, Lord, reading the truth of your word, listening to your voice and your word and you speaking to our hearts. And then being quiet and letting you speak. And letting you lead us and guide us. And Lord, may you then take that weight off of us. That even if we're still going through the trial, even if we're still going through the storm, we can know without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to see us safely through to the other side. For as a believer, the other side may be heaven. And what a great and glorious day that's going to be to see you face to face. Lord, if you should allow us to stay here and live another day, then Lord, I pray that you will help us to, to not stay under that, that stress, letting it keep us from being the Christian you've called us to be, but giving it to you, receiving your rest, your peace, your joy into our hearts and into our lives, that we can press forward one day at a time, one moment at a time, following you, being obedient to you. So bless us, Lord. Help us to just start at the very beginning, to just start with prayer and to call out to you. And Lord, may you hear us and answer us in a powerful way that we might use that to bring glory and honor to you. Lord, if there's someone who's here tonight or someone who's watching who's never done that, who's never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they're wondering how in the world can I have relief from my stress, Lord, help them to realize tonight that you've done done the greatest thing that could ever be done. You've given them the greatest gift that could ever be received. The gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for their sin, who was buried in the tomb and arose from the grave on the third day so that we could have victory over death, over hell, over the grave, over stress in our lives, if we would trust in you. So Lord, I pray they would call out to you tonight and say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he was buried in the tomb and arose from the grave on the third day. I repent of my sin. I turn away from it and I turn to follow you. Jesus, come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Lord, if someone's prayed something like that, may they come tonight if they're here in public, if they're there watching online, may they just comment in the comments and let us know that so we can follow up with them. Lord, we pray that your will will be done in our hearts and our lives and that those of us who are believers will come to the place that we trust you more and more than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
As we stand, as we sing, the Savior's waiting, number 321. You don't need the page numbers on the screen. <laughs> That's the only place we have it. For the mic, come and lead us. Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to For being here tonight. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, we'll be back again Wednesday night. Uh, there'll be some chaos going on with pews being moved and all that still, but we will still meet in here Wednesday night uh, at six o'clock. So come and join us. If you can't be here in person, uh, join us there online on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or our phone live streaming. It's been a blessing to have you with us tonight. We look forward to seeing you this Wednesday. You have a blessed night and a blessed week. We'll see you then.